pastor out in California, his name is uh, Erwin McManus, and he wrote a book several years ago called The Barbarian Way, and he often talks about new believers uh, being just barbarians. It means they just don't care. They just get into it. I feel that same way whenever we have kids in service and they're singing. The little barbarians. I am not going to be outsung by Jill Farkas. I'm sorry. I've just, no way. I mean, I have never seen a kid go for it quite like that. So, my goodness. So glad to have them in service. And uh, we should all be a little more inspired because of it. So, just doesn't care. Just a little barbarian. He's, he's going for it. And I just, I love it. So, anyway. Good to see all of you. Um, and uh, everyone's bundled up a little bit because apparently... Um, winter showed up on Friday kind of like your obnoxious uncle for Thanksgiving, right? Just all of a sudden kind of burst in there, and here it was. I was just talking to um, Josh, our security guy, and he was actually outside enjoying the beautiful weather and within two minutes needed to get his coat. So I don't know if uh, you experienced that, but all of a sudden it's like, it's here, here we go, and there's frost on windshields and all that kind of stuff. And So wherever you are in the country, my understanding is uh, if you're watching online, you probably have experienced that too. Oklahoma's no different. Um, so here, here we go, winter's here, and believe it or not, uh, after next week we start Advent. Can you believe it? We are already in Advent. So if you, uh, if you haven't started your Christmas shopping yet, you're warned, okay? So just understand, and if you've got a spouse who's a little bit late with that, go ahead and nudge him in the, el- in, right in the ribs right now and just say, hmm, that's for you. So here we go. Um, the text today is actually concerned with money and wealth and um, things that are associated with that. And so I'm going to invite you to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. That's where we're going to be today. <clears throat> now, one of the things I'm going to say to you right up front um, is that I promise that I'm not going to ask you for money so you don't have to check your wallet or pull your purse a little closer to you, okay? So I'm not going to do that. Um, uh, now, if you, if you choose to... Uh, uh, respond to the message in some way. That's the Holy Spirit. That's not me asking. So I'm trying to um, give you that little disclaimer up front. Uh, but those of you who have organized your family finances in order to partner with us, I do want to say thank you for that. Um, we can't do this without you, and, and so we do appreciate that an awful lot. Um, getting back to Second Corinthians chapter 9, uh, one of the things that I've really sensed um, recently, um, I felt like the Lord's been encouraging us uh, to be more in his word. And so I'm just going to encourage you to start bringing your Bible to church if you don't know already. If you want to bring it on a Bible app, that's fine. Um, that's okay. Uh, I'm a little old school. I prefer to have this. I'll still have some of it on the screen because we do uh, broadcast and I want people to see what we're looking at. And from time to time, the translations are a little bit different, and I understand that too. But um, start bringing your Bible to church and um, be opening it because that's where God wants to interact with us. And it's worked for 2,000 years, so we've got pretty good history there, right? Pretty good track record, so keep that in mind. Start bringing your Bibles if you don't already. Um, what I want to do is I want to read the passage um, in 2 Corinthians 9, and um, we're going to move around a little bit from there, but um, I recently came across some very helpful material, um, and in the process, we're going to learn a little bit of, of Hebrew, and we're going to learn a little... Um, uh, Cultural customs, I think, is, is going to be interesting. So, Second um, Corinthians uh, chapter nine. Um, I'm going to be getting. Be- Hello. Didn't mean to do that. My, I, I fat fingered it. That's what I did. I fat fingered it. So, 
Okay, so here it is, uh, chapter nine, beginning with verse six. Remember this, Paul is writing, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now this is the word of the Lord and we believe it. But it's, it's gonna take a little... We're gonna have to pull this apart just to see how it all fits together, okay? And so at the outset, one of the things that that you'll notice is that there are two very separate ideas that are being discussed, but they're related to one another. We need to take them um, one at a time in order to really understand them. So the first idea is in verse six. I'll, I'll go back there. Uh, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, um, this makes um, perfect perfect sense because it's really about investment, isn't it? We try to invest in something. um, We want a return, and the return is dependent on the type of investment we make, right? So if you invest just a little bit, you're gonna get a small return. If you invest a lot, hopefully you get a large return. Now, of course, there's some risk to it. I understand that. But this is really about investing in, into something. And <clears throat> there's, there's several things in here, and I, I gotta be honest, I have, <laughs> I have this deep temptation to go down some rabbit holes, okay? Now, sometimes rabbit holes can be a lot of fun. Just ask Alice. No, don't ask Alice. Um, but... But they're, they're interesting, and, and, and I, I want to develop some of this. And, and but keep this in mind when we're talking about this idea of sowing and reaping specifically, is that God created it all for increase. When you plant something in the ground, um, any type of crop, you get the fruit, but you also get the seed for more. Does this make sense? There is automatically increase built into the very fabric of nature itself, which in my mind reflects the character and nature of God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So increase, expansion, is at the heart of everything that God does. Now at the same time, God expects a return. Why? Because he built that into the DNA of the very things that he created, right? So increase is a natural part of what, of what God has in mind. He created it all for increase. <clears throat> and I think this is why God does expect a return, simply because it's there. It dawned on me the other day, too, is that when, when Jesus said to us, uh, go therefore and make disciples, he's talking about increase, it fits with the character of God, right? The nature of God. To increase, to expand. It all fits within his design. And of, of course, what we do, do uh, when we're directed by him should expand the goodness in the kingdom of God, right? So at the very heart of, of the goodness of God is this idea of expansion. So a uh, few 
uh, weeks ago, I was thinking about this idea <clears throat> that one of the jobs of the Christian is to push back darkness, which is just really an increase in the light. Does that make sense? It's an expansion of the light within the darkness itself. So expansion and increase is baked into the Christian life as well as the very nature of creation itself. Increase, expansion, these are the things that God is interested in. <clears throat> um, you have to think of it almost in terms of kind of the rising tide raises all ships, right? So the little things that we do here and there begin to be expansive and it begins to raise the things around us. We're gonna see this again as we, uh, as we move along. And so this idea um, uh, plays itself out later on in verses eight through 11. Um, which we'll see here. So here's verse seven. <clears throat> Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now hold on a second, because in that, first, in that verse to, uh, six, he was talking about investment, but here he's talking about giving. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're talking about investment, and now we're talking about giving. And those two things where they seem separate, but even though he switched the topic, they are very related. I, I want you to see this. Now see, growing up in the church, um, I don't know about your experience, but in, in my experience, whenever we talked about giving, we talked about tithing, right? You've heard this term before? This idea of giving a tenth of your income. And <clears throat> um, you're supposed to give it back to God. Um, usually, the idea was to do it off the top, okay? Um, there's a principle in the Old Testament called the first fruits. I was, um, uh, I think I was watching a video. There's a, a famous gardener. He's up in, in Washington State. And somebody was commenting on his potatoes. I guess gardeners do this. They comment on each other's you know, crops and whatnot. But he said that he had a practice that whenever he dug up his potatoes, whenever that harvest time was, he would find the biggest, best potato from each of the plant and he would set that aside because he would plant that one back in the ground. Principle of first fruits. Reinvested the best of what he had for the future and that's why he got an increase and a better crop every single time he planted. It's a principle of first fruits um, applied to actual fruit, right? Actual uh, vegetables or tubers in this particular case. And so tithing has that idea to it is that we take it off the top. Somebody asked, um, you know, do I, do I tithe off my net or my gross? Well, I don't know. How, which one do you want to be, you know, blessed on, right? I would much rather be blessed on my gross than on, on my net, and, and most of us would be that. And typically in the church, when we talk about tithe, we pass the plate, which is something we've never really done at Thrive Church. We've got the, the two things on the side, and frankly, we get most of our giving through electronic means these days. Um, but the, the calculation is simple. You, you take your income, you multiply it by 10%, and you um, divide it by your monthly paycheck or by your your every, if you get paid like every other week or you know, however your payroll is set up at your, at your place of business. And so you just take your income, multiply by 10, divide by, by 12, say. And, and that's where um, we typically get our idea of tithing. Now recently I came across some insightful material um, from a Jewish perspective. So 
I came across, I think it was a video or an article, I don't remember, but I came across something where the, um, the author or the host um, was exploring why it seems like as a people group, Jewish people tend to be on the wealthy side. Now the fact of the matter is, is there's probably a standard distribution, um, but at the extremes, Jewish people tend to be in the, the higher end of the socioeconomic spectrum, just as a people group in whole, which is really strange because in virtually every type of society or culture, they make less than 2% of the population, outside of Israel, of course, right? But here in the United States, where it's like, like 2 or 2.1% of the population, you see that there are certain Jewish names, Jewish families that dominate certain industries like finance, like um, film and entertainment. Uh, now there's more than that, I'm just picking those, those particular two because a, a, lot of the, a lot of us have seen um, that type of ethnic dominance, I'll call it that, okay? And so you have some very wealthy people. And, and this person, there was no anti-Semitism. There was nothing, you know, um, anti-Jewish or anything like that. He was just simply trying to understand why does that seem to be the case that you have a people group that tend to dominate that higher level of the socioeconomic status. Now, this is really interesting to me. Um, maybe because I'm a data nerd, but just stuff like that is just is kind of, you know, what causes that? And to think about those things, um, I don't know, turns my crank a little bit. <clears throat> but for once, the YouTube algorithm did something good, because <laughs> usually it doesn't. <laughs> but I ended up, after I watched that video, I started getting more videos like that. And eventually, I got to some um, video footage of certain American Jewish rabbis who were speaking on the issue of wealth. Now, I, I don't mind telling you that Jewish rabbis teach and preach very differently than Christians do, okay? Um, and uh, several of them uh, have a very engaging kind of conversational style, and I found myself simply fascinated by their understanding of a term, of a concept that I grew up with in church. They have a, a slightly different take on things like tithing and giving and generosity, and, and for them, it's all kind of one one concept, okay? And so, <clears throat> um, as we're kind of exploring this, I thought it was deeply insightful for, for you know, kind of what we're doing uh, within the church, because I, I can't stress this enough. I feel like in so many ways we've lost the Jewishness of our faith to our detriment. I, I honestly believe that. Because Paul, when he's writing about these things, is Jewish. Yes, he's Christian, but he's also Jewish. And he even calls himself a Jew among Jew, a Pharisee among Pharisees. So here's a guy who's really studied this stuff, but he's doing it from a very perspective. And oh, by the way, I don't know if anybody told you this, but Jesus was Jewish too, okay? So there is a perspective here that I feel like it's to our detriment if we miss this. And um, I was rather surprised at how the Jewish rabbis interpreted um, kind of this phenomenon on their own wealth as a people group. And in, in a word, in a single word, it rests on this idea of charity. The Hebrew word is tzedakah. Let me hear you say the word tzedakah. 
and if you feel somebody spit on the back of your head, you've done it correctly, okay? Tzedakah is, is the Jewish term for here. Um, and, and oftentimes you'll hear, um, th- this is really interesting about, especially uh, New York Jewish rabbis, they go in and out of both Hebrew and Yiddish and English, and sometimes I'm like, I have no idea what they just said. And you can't do closed captioning on YouTube for something like that because the words that they come up with in the closed captioning are just weird, okay? It's like, wait a minute, I don't think, I don't think he actually said that. So um, if, if you find yourself chasing, af- chasing down some of these videos like I did, um, don't be surprised if, if uh, you don't understand a lot of the words. So that's uh, tzedakah. Um, whenever or wherever Jewish people gather to live, they practice this kind of charitable giving. But uh, sometimes I think we have this uh, negative association sometimes with charity and, and the fact like, I don't want to be a charity case. You've heard this, right? Mm, it's not exactly the same thing within, uh, within Jewish thought. I don't have a really great way of describing it, but hopefully it'll become clear as we go on. Each uh, um, Jewish individual is encouraged to look for opportunities within the community to give generously. Not from a standpoint of charity, uh, a charity case, but rather, where can I support my community by giving something that I have? And so it's heavily tied to this idea of generosity, and it seems almost more like a lifestyle than it is a program. Think, think about that a little bit, because I think um, for a lot of us, we're looking for a methodology or we're looking for a program in, in order to accomplish something, but this idea of tzedakah really is more about a, um, a lifestyle, how I live my life. Am I looking for opportunities to bless God's children because I've been blessed? Okay, And there's some reasons for this. There's some deep historical reasons. Um, it's always in light of God's blessing, and this goes right back to Abraham. Abraham was, set, uh, was told right up front by God, I will bless you, and then we often see it in the text as, uh, and you will bless all nations. But in Hebrew, it's very different. It's, I will bless you, now you go be a blessing. It's a commandment. It's an imperative. You are blessed, therefore you blessed. Why? Why? Because of expansion, because of increase right? I have given you increase in order for you to increase it on the earth. Does this make sense? So it's this idea of lifestyle, and it's an idea of looking for those opportunities, but it's always in light of God's blessing. And you, you often see this happen, especially within Jewish weddings and bar, um, bar, bar and ba mitzvahs, where the community itself blesses specifically financially those individuals. It happens um, quite a bit. Um, but they're also taught to lend freely. In other words, if someone comes to you and wants to borrow money, um, to go ahead and you lend it. Happily lend it. And here's the reason why. Even if they don't pay it back. Because if you are lending to a fellow Jew and they don't pay it back, God's got you covered. God's on the hook for paying it back. Because in the Torah, the commandment is, you don't charge interest. And you don't worry about the payback. That's something that, that God will do. He, he commands and he will, um, uh, will, will repay. Um, and according to the, 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 the Torah, there is no interest that's involved in that. It's just a fascinating practice to me, this idea of tzedakah, of, of giving. And what, 
where this is rooted, at least from, from what I've been able to gather, it comes out of Malachi chapter three. So Malachi is the last of the um, uh, Old Testament uh, minor prophets. Uh, some people you know, jokingly call him the Italian prophet, Malachi. <laughs> Maybe not, I'm sorry. That one plays well with Catholics for some reason. I don't know why. Anyway, moving on. Okay, comes out of the Old Testament. Um, Here it is, Malachi uh, 3, uh, verse 10. God is saying here to the people of Israel, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So you have a, a people group who have not been giving, not been tithing, not been practicing this for a long period of time and God comes and chastises them. But within the chastisement, you must see that there's also a deep, deep challenge here. Part of tzedakah, right? Of this idea of giving, this idea of generosity. God says, test me. Okay, Here's a pro tip, kids. Generally speaking, it is a really bad idea to try to test God, okay? Can we just say that? Because he's gonna win every time. This is the only time in scripture God tells his people, come on, come on, test me. I want you to actually see this. Um, this is an idea of blessing. First and foremost, Notice how if you do your part, I will open the floodgates and give you more. Why? Because God is a God of increase. An increase of good, an increase of blessing. I heard one rabbi put it this way, and I absolutely loved this um, because it made sense to me in, in so many ways. But he said, God is like a banker. Now, normally, I'm not gonna put those two things together, right? But he says, God is like a banker. And what what God is doing as a banker is he is looking for, for people to invest in. And the idea to, to think about is he's looking for someone will help, that will help him distribute the blessing to people around him. And when he finds a good investment, he increases their blessing because they in turn will increase the blessing to the people around them. Do you see the expansive nature of this? It's fascinating when we start thinking about it in, in, that, uh, in that framework. He's, he says, you know, give and I'm gonna open the floodgates of heaven. Really interesting. Now, of course, this is echoed back in 2 Corinthians and what Paul wrote, and I suspect that it's Malachi that Paul had in mind as he was writing this. In this sense, giving is an investment. This is why we see you, you sow sparingly or generously, you reap sparingly or generously, and that's why we're talking about giving because giving, in this sense, is an investment. At least it is in, in kind of this uh, idea of Jewish thought. It's very, very interesting, especially if you're in, uh, investing in kingdom sorts of, of purposes. And God supports all of this. Um, here we read... Um, in, in, in verse eight, we saw this before, and God is able to bless you, what? Abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Why? 
because it has been expanded to you. It has been increased to you. And so therefore, you will have more that you can help distribute among God's people. How are you helping God's children? All of God's children. It goes on in verse 10. Now he, this is Paul writing again, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See this expansive increased nature that God is trying to, to build, into his, build into his people? It's, it's, it's really, it's a, just such a powerful thing. Um. <clears throat> One of the rabbis uh, suggested this, and I think this is important because one of the things that we Americans tend to do is we, we tend to think of everything in terms of money and finance. And what this rabbi suggested was, he goes, money is the very last, the very least thing that you can actually give. Now it's on the list, but it's last on the list. It's the very minimum thing that you can actually give. Because God has not only given you some type of, of financial um, uh, blessing, but he has also given you the blessing of your intellect, your experience, your wisdom, your effort, your energy, your gifts, your talents, and the list goes on and on. So it's not just about you giving money, it's also applying the blessing that God has given you as an individual. Are you seeing this? And the very nature of, of your giftedness and your talents and your personage is to be expansive, is to be increasing, to push back the darkness because you're increasing light by giving of yourself in some way. So don't get me wrong, the financial piece of the puzzle is there, but it's not the only thing. And, and here's the other thing. I, I want to, because I know me, I am suggesting that I probably know something about you. There is this part of me that says, like, well, I don't really have a whole lot. I don't have a whole lot to give. I don't have, you know, talent, and I don't have, um, you know, intellect or wisdom or whatever it happens to be. And, and, you know, you've got that voice of shame in your head. Stop it. That's not from God. You do have something. Now, you may have a, a small amount, but what did, what did Jesus say? If you have the faith of a what? Mustard seed? You can move mountains. Why? Because God, by his nature, increases. Are you tracking with me? This is a pretty big theme within the text. Please understand. I don't want you to have any false sense of humility here. It is never wrong to receive what God has given you. Never wrong. If God has given you insight, you receive it. If God has given you financial increase, receive it. If God has given you an intellect, a wisdom, a, a talent, an experience, something, you receive that, and then you come back to him and say, here's what I have, Lord, what do you want me to do with it? Because in your nature, you are expansive. In your nature, you, you do increase. How do I Apply this to that. What do you want to do with it? 
It's the same principle as loaves and fishes. Remember feeding 5,000 people and there was stuff left over? That's the abundance of God. That's the increase that God gives. It doesn't matter how little it is. God is part of the equation and he is always increasing and he is always expanding something, something for the good. So it's never wrong for you to receive those things that God has given you and then turn it back and saying, what do you want to do with it? Never wrong to do that. And money is a part of that. It's not the only thing. And so if you want to get into this because you want more money, wrong attitude, good luck with that. But if you look at it from a standpoint of, oh, I can at least do this. It's not giving in order to receive from God. Rather, it is investing in the people and the community of God. Sharing God's blessing, expanding, increasing God's blessing, participating with God in increasing heaven on earth. And that sounds like the kingdom of God to me. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of excited to see that happen. I just love how it fits with the very first command of Abraham. You know, this always actually goes back, <laughs> I'm gonna go down a rabbit trail again. Here we go. Um, <clears throat> this fits with the very first human being. God put Adam in the garden to do what? To cultivate it and care for it. When you cultivate something, you expand it, you increase it. It's in our DNA. We can't get around that. The very first recorded act is, in the beginning, God created. And so we are never more like God than we are creating things. Whether we are creating wealth, whether we're creating knowledge, whether we're creating, why? Because it's expansive, it's increasing. That's why love is expansive and increasing Do you see this? Do you see this theme that's happening throughout the entire text from the very beginning? What starts in a garden with two people ends up in Revelation chapter 21 and 22 in a city with a whole lot more. That doesn't say expansion and increase. I don't know what does. So the whole of the text is testifying to this idea that God brings blessing in order to expand the blessing. Now, I want to put a little sidebar here, a little, um, I'm not going to call it a caveat. Uh, this, is a, this is an encouragement. All of the current rabbis um, that I was listening to made a, a specific point to say that sometimes you may need um, charity. So if you set aside your giving, whatever that is, there may be a point where you have to receive back your own giving. Because I think sometimes what happens is when we think about tithe or we think about giving and we give to the church and then we're struggling ourselves. From time to time, you may have to access the money that you set aside in order to help yourself. And that's perfectly acceptable. There is nothing wrong with receiving some charity. And I don't mean charity as a charity case, but you may need some help from time to time. And I think that's a really important thing. That if you are in a position and you're trying to follow God to the best of your ability and you find yourself in trouble, the point of the charity is to be helpful. 
it is okay for you to assist yourself from time to time. Does this make sense? That's why we often say, look, if you choose to, to give to Thrive Church uh, and you do so on a regular basis and you run into trouble and you need your money back, we'll give it. We'll give that back to you. Um, I'm probably gonna ask a couple of questions, but not to challenge you. I just wanna know how you're doing and see if there's other places that we can assist you. But if you need that money back, we'll give that back to you because it is about expansion and sometimes God, God's people need the help themselves. That's all right. So it's okay from time to time. Now, <clears throat> instead of doing your typical tithe math, uh, math where you start with your salary and multiply by 10%, I want you to notice what Paul says. He says this term, decide in your heart what you're able to give, not under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. So, I mean, you can start with 10%. I think that's fine um, if that's what you want to do. But maybe you can't even do 10% right now because of where your, your financial condition is. I'm, I'm going to tell you, give something and test God. You will not hear me say that in any other circumstances. Don't test God. That's a bad idea. But if you are going to try to give in some way, um, give something. It does a couple of things for you. First of all, it breaks selfishness, okay? That's one thing that giving will do. But more importantly, it gives you opportunity to trust God. It gives you an opportunity to do that. Um, perhaps you can give more than 10%, and that, that's okay too. Um, because of the um, position uh, that you have, um, you may want to test him for something else. Um, one uh, Jewish businessman put it this way. He said his rabbi came to him uh, the same year that he started a business, which it's really difficult to do anything but fund your business within the first year. But the rabbi said, do you think you could give, I think it was like $16,000 and he says, yeah, I'm going to commit to $16,000. And the next year, the rabbi said, wow, you gave $16,000. Do you think this year you could do 32? That was a stretch. And so what this individual said was that he went back to Malachi 3 and was going to test God. I'm going to do 32, and I'm going to trust God for the 32. Oh, that's a different kind of faith, isn't it? Decide in your heart what you want to give and trust God that you will have the increase to do so. Now, please don't be irresponsible with it. You can't make $50,000 a year and tell God, yeah, I'm gonna give a million dollars next year. Just if I hit that lottery, right? So don't be irresponsible with it. Remember, trust is the currency of the kingdom. God wants our trust and he's willing to teach us what trust is. So start with something and trust God for that increase, but don't be irresponsible. You know, is it within reach? Does it stretch you just a little bit? That's okay. You, you, you have the opportunity to test God. He's given you, he's given you a free shot. It's like, come on, give this a shot. But it, the idea is decide in your heart what you can do cheerfully. I gotta be honest. I gotta be honest. 
there are places now where I get excited to see where God might work because I'm open to it. Let me give you a for instance. You may have some, some, some better ways. The least thing I can do is leave a tip for somebody working in the service industry. The least thing I can do. Um, I'll often write a note on the receipt as well, thanking them. But here's the thing. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna rant for just a second. I am appalled by how customers treat service workers these days. And here we are wondering why nobody actually wants to work service jobs. Quit being a jerk to them. Right? Can we start there? I've said this before. I rarely get bad service because I try to actually treat people like human beings. You're nice to them. Kind to them. Not nice. Kind. Just be kind. Try to make them laugh. Something like that. And the least you can do is leave a decent tip. Uh, you've heard me say this before. I had a friend who worked as a waiter. He said, the worst time for tips is Sunday after church. What? Come on, church. You turn that one around. Give me a break. We ought to be the most joyous, generous people on the face of the planet. But leave a tip. Leave a note with that tip. Leave an extravagant tip, whatever it happens to be. Bless somebody. It's the least thing that you can do. I wasn't going to tell this story, but I think I need to. Because I'm learning too. I'm learning how God does this increase. A um, few weeks ago, we were on a trip. And um, we stopped at a um, gas station. And I was getting gas, and I think I was getting... i got to have crunchy things to keep me awake when I'm driving. So it was probably pretzels or something like that. And I'm standing in line to pay for my pretzels. And there's a guy in front of me, and he's got, I, I don't know, just a bunch of change in front of him. And he's doing this. There's pennies, there's nickels, dimes, a few quarters. And the young lady behind the counter was looking really uncomfortable. And she goes, yeah, it's about $3.15. And he, and he said, he said, okay, I'll take it. And he leaves. And I said, wow, that guy got rid of a lot of change in his pocket. And she says, he's just trying to buy gas. He doesn't have any money. And all of a sudden, that $20 bill in my pocket got real heavy. I said, well, here, just add that to it. She looked at me like I had grown a second head. That's okay, I get that a lot at my house. And I said, oh, I need to go tell him so that he, he fills up more. I said, okay. So she scurries out and she tells the guy and, we finish up. And he comes in and he thanks me and I just said, hey, God bless you, man. And I got in the car and we're driving down the road and I'm telling Lisa about this. And then I got the biggest conviction in my heart. I could have filled up his tank. I don't need cash to do that. I got a credit card. And I thought to myself, one, I can either beat myself up over it or I can say, God, thank you for opening my eyes. The fact that I can do more. I'm so grateful. And the next time, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on the ability 
to bless your children. I don't know the guy's story. I don't have to know the guy's story. All I know is that what I've been given, I've been given an opportunity and now I can share that and we can expand this. And maybe someday he'll pay it forward. I don't know. That's not up to me. What's up to me is, will I follow God in that moment? Now, I'm not telling you to pat myself on the back. I'm telling you this because those opportunities come up out of nowhere, and I'm trying to learn to be able to see them. I'm still not so sure about the people who are you know, standing out on the, on the street with the sign. I don't know about that one. I've I, I got to be honest. That's something that God and I are working on right now. But when the opportunity comes up that I can be a difference, I can be a kingdom difference in that moment for whatever the reason, oh God, I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss it. And here's the beautiful thing, is that when you follow God and you are, when you take responsibility for those moments, the promotion is more responsibility. And if I get blessed for it, cool. But I'll tell you, what happened in my heart was very different than wanting more money. Now I want more opportunities. And I want to see those things. I really get tired of, you know the, you know the new little electronic kiosks where you pay for stuff, right? And, and they give you the opportunity for a tip. I don't like when it only goes up to 15%. At least give me 20, okay? Whatever it happens to be. Now, you can do it any way you want to. But that's the, if that's the least thing I can give, then let's do that. And if I can make them smile and make their day better, mmm, that's kingdom. And that's what I want to be a part of more than anything else. And frankly, I'm going to test him as much as I can. I test a lot of people. Ask my parents. Ask my wife. I test people. I'm gonna test God in this because I wanna see what that actually looks like. Now, here's the thing. If the economy, global economy, is gonna go in the direction that I believe and I think that it's gonna go in 2023, then this quite possibly is one of the most important messages I could preach to you because I think things are going to get really bad in the next two years. I think we haven't seen anything yet when it comes to inflation. I'm already aware of certain industries being completely gutted when it comes to workforce because of economic conditions. Just heard about some this week. We're only seeing the beginning. If we think in terms of scarcity, we're going to be afraid and we're going to shrink back and we're not going to see increase, we're going to see decrease. But God calls you to increase. God is a God of expansion, of increase, of blessing. And the only way to do that is to change our own hearts and say, okay, God, it's scary but I'm going to trust you. Why? Because trust is the currency of the kingdom. I'm going to trust you in this. There's a passage in Genesis that talks about Isaac. Isaac was in the midst of a, a famine. 
and yet he still planted. And it says in a few verses later, he reaped a hundredfold. That's the blessing of God. Why? Because he was a blessing to the people around him. Now, I don't know what God's blessing is for you. I have no idea. He gets to decide that. All I'm telling you is the character and nature of God is one of increase and blessing. And you're gonna need that in the next year or two. We all are. We're going to need that. So I'm gonna pray right now um, for a couple of things. One, I'm gonna pray for God's blessing. But more, moreover, I'm gonna pray for, for God's heart to be your heart so that you will be expansive in your love, in your understanding, in your giving, in your expansion, in your increase. God, we acknowledge that who you teach us to be is who you are. You are good. You are generous. And you are about increase. And I pray that Thrive Church would follow you in that that every person here would very deeply consider the nature of your increase and choose that for themselves. This is not an easy thing to do because it goes against our human nature. But Lord, I pray first and foremost that you would give us the opportunities to learn what it means to be generous that you would help us understand charity and tithing, generosity and giving and the hope and the light and the power that that brings. And that we would not see it as a financial thing, but we would see it as a resource thing. That you have given each one of us some type of deposit that we can give back to the kingdom and see increase. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak right now to every individual and maybe highlight for them that thing, that asset that you gave them that you are hoping they will test you with. You've asked us to test you. And so I pray that as times get tough, we would get generous and that we would see you move in such a way that we cannot deny that your economy is not the economy of this world. That you're always about increase. You're always about blessing. You're always about hope. You're always about healing. All of these things are increase and increase and increase because that's your very nature. So God, fill us abundantly with your Holy Spirit that we can see the opportunities and seize them with great joy. I pray that every person today would decide in their heart that first they're willing to give and that they would decide in their heart that they would look for those opportunities that you might provide. Oh, I can hardly wait for those stories. Thank you that we can trust you with these things.
that this is what you're after, is our hearts, uh, so that we can participate with you in this kingdom adventure. And I'm going to thank you in advance for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.